Our second scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. If you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, you can find it at page 43 of the New Testament section. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. God with us, God within us, God among us, as we prepare with joy to celebrate the gift of the Christ child, open our hearts to listen, to question, and to ponder that we might say yes to you. Amen. A priest tells a story about a boy named Danny who went to his mother demanding a new bicycle bicycle for Christmas. Danny, we can't afford it, his mother said. Write a letter to Jesus and ask for one from him instead. Now, I'm not going to address the theology implied in writing to Jesus for a bicycle. It's just a joke, right? (laughs) So Danny writes, Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this year and would appreciate a new bicycle. Your friend, Danny. Now, Danny guessed that Jesus really knew he hadn't behaved very well at all, so he gave the letter another try. Dear Jesus, I've been an okay boy this year, and I want a new bicycle. Yours truly, Danny. Well, this wasn't exactly true either. So Danny tore it up and tried again. Dear Jesus, I've thought a lot about being a good boy, so may I please have a new bicycle? Finally, Danny thought better of making these false claims, so he ran to the church. Making sure no one was looking, he stole a small statue of Mary, hightailed it home, and hid the statue under his bed. Then he wrote this letter. Jesus, let's face it. I've broken most of the commandments. I'm desperate, so I've got your mother. And if you ever want to see her again, give me a bike for Christmas. (laughs) Signed, you know who. 
The priest says this story contains a serious lesson about Mary. Throughout Christian history, there are those who have hijacked Mary. They have hijacked the memory of Mary to support their own understanding of how women should behave and be in society. As a result, Mary is often presented as meek and mild, passive and subservient. And the problem with this view is that it's impossible to reconcile with the ten stories in which Mary appears in the New Testament including this morning's story, known as the Annunciation. This is our first encounter with Mary in Luke's Gospel. It's a story that gives some people fits. I get that. Is it true? Is it a myth? Is it even important? Two of the four Gospels don't mention the virgin birth, nor does the Apostle Paul, whose writings are older than any of the Gospels. Just as with the other three Gospels, Luke tells a story that contains history, but he focuses more on the meaning of God's word and God's reign. In this story, of how God's purpose is unfolding in ways that people might not expect, Luke uses language that is more like poetry than a science text. Frederick Buechner sums it up this way. If you believe God was somehow in Christ, it shouldn't make much difference to you how he got there. If you don't believe it, it should make much less difference still. In either case, life is complicated enough without confusing theology and gynecology. For my part, I love this story. It never fails to move me. Is it... The breaking through of, into the ordinary, of the extraordinary into an ordinary woman's life? Is it how a single decision, Mary's yes, changes history? Is it how God chooses the unlikeliest people to accomplish God's desires for the world? I think what I like best about this story is that in an uncanny way, it's about us. The story mirrors the life of faith the way God invites us to recognize God within ourselves and to birth something new. First of all, it's God who initiates the conversation. Now, you might be thinking, well, God has never initiated a conversation with me. No angels ever interrupted my day. But have you ever found yourself touched by a poem or a scripture passage or a piece of music that went straight to your heart? Or have you ever been moved to tears by a friend's comforting words during a confusing time? Have you ever felt changed by an encounter with someone in need or by a particularly vulnerable conversation? Have you ever been overcome with awe or joy at a starry sky or the light filtering through autumn leaves in the afternoon sun? Have you ever thought... This moment is exceptional. These feelings of longing or gratitude, wonder or yearning for justice are exceptional. I call those moments holy moments. And what I mean by that is that God is beginning a conversation with us. Sometimes we're grateful for this feeling, but just as often we're fearful, like Mary. Fear is a common reaction to the divine. We may also struggle with the idea that God is actually paying attention to us. 
inviting us into conversation. In other words, we might think, who me? We're so used to the extravagant images of Mary in paintings and statues and stained glass windows that we might not appreciate her humble status. She was a woman, she was young, she was probably poor, and she certainly lived in an insignificant town in a backwater province ruled by the Roman Empire. Think of God coming to a young girl in a small African village. Think of God coming to you. Mary asks, how can this be? Isn't that what we'd ask when we realize God wants to work through us? How can I do this? Just exactly how is this going to work? In spite of Mary's fear and surprise, this is not an oh-sure-whatever-you-say situation. The news today has made us more and more aware of how routine sexual misconduct and harassment are, of the need for real consent, and of power imbalances that might make true consent impossible. And I'm wary of reading into our, our present-day cultural standards and mores into an ancient document. But this question, Mary's question, how can this be? This very human and not at all passive question shows us that Mary doesn't rush into this. She has questions, and she needs answers, however glorious the angel makes this invitation sound. In her question, how can this be, I hear, since I have not done and will not do what would need to be done in order for this to happen, how is this whole scheme supposed to work? I see her withholding consent at that moment. She hasn't said yes, not yet. How long did she pause before she asked the question? We don't know. It could have been a very long pause. And then how long did she pause yet again after hearing the angel's answer? We don't know. The angel does answer, explaining the process, which is frankly inconceivable, pun intended, and then asks her to look around. Look at your cousin Elizabeth, who is miraculously pregnant in her old age. You have doubts about what God will do? Just look around at what God has already done. Likewise, when we're faced with God's asking us to birth something new, something seemingly impossible, friends might invite us to remember how God was there for us in the past how we made it through a tough time, how apparently ordinary people did extraordinary things. Were there times in the past when you felt as though things were confusing, but where you can now see God's hand at work? These examples help us to trust God and to move into an unknown future. Newly confident, Mary says, yes, Notice that she does so in absolute freedom. No one coerces her. She doesn't even ask Joseph or her father for permission. I believe Mary could have said no. What if, just what if, Mary wasn't the first young woman that the angel Gabriel asked? What if she were the second or the fourth or the fifteenth? What if, when the angel says she's favored, that doesn't mean she's the only option, just one of a handful or even many. 
There is exactly zero record to support the speculation, but there's also no way to disprove it. So what if all the other young women said, no way? And Mary is the only one who asked the right questions and then said, yes. Yes, I will enter into this unknown future to which God is inviting me. Yes, I will bring into the world with God's grace something new. She could have said no. Instead, she said, let it be with me according to your word. We, too, can say no to God. Will we say yes? I believe God approaches us daily, maybe multiple times a day. Can we recognize God within us, asking us to become God-bearers, asking us to bring Christ to a hurting and broken world? Can we let God grow in us? Can we let it be? Like Mary, we fear. God reassures us and tells us what will be required. We doubt. God points us to past experiences and helps us to trust. And if we say yes, finally we are able to bring into the world, with God's grace, something new. And then there's one last part. Then the angel departed from her. Then came for Mary... And for us, if we say yes, the time of faith. Holy moments, profound spiritual experiences bring confidence and trust, but they fade, and we may wonder, was it real? Did it happen? Am I doing the right thing? Am I really meant to do this? Like Mary, we don't face those questions alone. Mary had Elizabeth and Joseph And others, I'm sure, she had a community, and so do we. I'll close with this poem. In the tradition of Mary and all who have said yes to God, we stand here today to add our assent to theirs. Like Mary, we feel overwhelmed. We wonder if we are worthy or capable of following the calling. Like Mary, we have our questions, and we will not be afraid to ask them. Like Mary, we will hear and ponder the assurance that God will empower us. Like Mary, we will strive to say, let it be with us according to your will. To whatever God is inviting us at this time in our lives, and relying on God's grace, we say yes. Let it be. Amen.